Is Texas the best team in the country? I'm not sure, but through five weeks, there is not a team that has a more impressive resume than the Texas Longhorns. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are discussing is Texas the best team in the country through five weeks thus far? In the second segment, through five games for the Longhorns, the top five Longhorns on this football team. And then in the last segment, my Heisman ballot, my top five, just a lot of fives, right? My top five Heisman candidates thus far through the season all of that and more on today's episode of locked on longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day it's a huge week for the texas longhorns a huge week for the oklahoma sooners a huge week one last time for the big 12 and a huge week for college football maybe a game with some playoff implications one of the biggest games of the year one of the greatest robberies of all time so it should be a fun red river shootout but we got to get there we got to go through the work week and and all of that and we're patiently waiting until Saturday. Thankfully, the game is at 11 a.m., so when you wake up on Saturday, you'll be close to game time, no matter what time you wake up, right? Yesterday on the show, I said Texas is the best team in the country, right? Obviously, I'm a little bit biased. Obviously, I host the Texas podcast, and I'm a Texas fan. But after that performance against Kansas, I really started to feel like, okay, Texas stacks up with any team in the country and may stack up better than any, right? And so it's one thing to say it, you know, on a show. It's another thing to come back and discuss it. And so that's what I did. I you know, took the liberty of comparing them to teams like Georgia and USC and Michigan, Ohio State and Florida State. And how do Texas, you know, how does Texas stack up against some of the other best teams in the country thus far? Because to my eye, they look like the, com- the most complete team in the country up until this point. So when we look at Georgia, they've obviously been the class of college football the last two years, two straight national championships, only losing one game in that span, the SEC championship in 2021 to an NFL quarterback in Bryce Young and to a team in Alabama that usually carries an 88 to 90 plus percent blue chip rate, right? So it's never any shame in losing to Alabama. And then they came back and beat them in the national championship. They've been the class of college football. And even though they haven't been the same dominant Georgia team this year, I think you still give them the benefit of the doubt until somebody knocks them off. They are the class of college football. But when I look at it in 2021, they got to face off against a Bryce Young Alabama team in the championship without his top two receivers in John Mechie and Jamison Williams, at least for the whole game. And then last year, C.J. Stroud and Ohio State should have pulled off the upset, but the kicker misses a chip shot, and then they get to face off against TCU, who just didn't have the athletes to be on the field with them at all in the national championship and run through them. So obviously they've been dominant. They've won two straight national championships, but they've had opportunities to fall off in the last two years, and other teams just didn't take advantage. This year really feels like Georgia has some chinks in the armor, and they haven't lost yet. But they've, you know, had some questionable performances. And when they start to face some better teams on the schedule or if they face a team like Texas, Kirby Smart and this team could get exposed. So when you look at it, they beat UT Martin 48 to 7. They beat Ball State 45 to 3. Neither one of those wins are impressive, but they took care of business, went out and beat up on some really bad teams. South Carolina was their first Power 5 experience of the season. They only won that game 24 to 14, right? I know Spencer Rattler steps up in some of the bigger games. You know, South Carolina has been... Uh, a team that could give some teams trouble over the last few years, but that's still a team that Georgia should handle 
uh, pretty easily. And they were down 14 to three at halftime to South Carolina. It took a valiant effort in the second half to win that game. Then you come back against UAB, Trent Dilfer squad, right? And you win 49 to 21. And obviously, you know, you don't want to poo-poo winning by 28 points, but that game necessarily wasn't impressive either, right? That was a 28 to 14 game, really kind of late in it before uh, Georgia took off. And then UAB scored the last touchdown, right? That 2021 Georgia team might have held UAB to 21 yards, not 21 points, right? And then you come back this weekend against Auburn. You only win that game 27 to 20 in Hugh Freeze's first year, a game that was tied at 20 apiece with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? So Georgia has played two power five opponents this year, and they've either been down or tied with them late in the second half, right? That is a concern for a team that many people are saying had the opportunity to three-peat coming into the year, right? And when you look at the tail of the tape, Georgia is averaging 38.6 points per game over Texas, who was averaging 36. Texas has obviously had the tougher opponents thus far. Texas averaging, allowing only 12.8. Georgia at 13. They're deadlocked there. Georgia total offense has the edge by three yards per game. And then Georgia total defense has the edge by three yards per game. So if you look at the tail of the tape, these teams are evenly matched. But I think Texas has had the tougher schedule thus far. I think Texas has navigated through their schedule better than Georgia has. And if they played in a neutral site today, I think Steve Sarkeesian and company get the victory over Kirby Smart and his team. So Georgia has still been really good. They're still a force in college football, no doubt. But this is not the 2021 or 2022 Georgia team. And Texas certainly has an opportunity to knock them off. Now I want to talk about the Michigan Wolverines. And if you want to make the argument that Michigan is the best team in the country, I have no problem with that. They've been very impressive. Uh, they haven't had the schedule that Texas has had thus far, but they've navigated through their schedule about as you know flawlessly as you can, right? So when you look at it, they beat East Carolina 30 to three. They beat UNLV 35 to seven. Shout out Brennan Marion, right? They beat Bowling Green 31 to six. They beat Rutgers 31 to seven. And then they beat Nebraska 45 to seven. Now, when you look at that schedule, no team on there jumps off the page, right? Those are all bad teams. But you can only play who's on your schedule. And Georgia, like Michigan, you know, has a pretty cake one, right? And the last two years, they've been in the college football playoffs. So you give them the benefit of the doubt and say they should be the number two team in the country until somebody knocks them off. Now, they've had some, you know, kind of questionable or embarrassing losses to TCU and Georgia the last two years in the playoffs. I think this could be the year that they possibly can make some noise. J.J. McCarthy, a really young, talented quarterback, five-star out of Illinois, I believe. 1,188 total yards and 11 touchdowns up until this point, and he really hasn't played deep into games, right? So he's done, you know, the majority of his damage in the first three quarters because they've beaten everybody by 24-plus points. And then, you know, they have the two-headed monster of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at running back who have combined for 700 total yards and nine touchdowns through five games. So Michigan has been dominant, especially on the defensive end, right? Texas has had the better schedule, but Michigan has been equally as dominant as Texas has through five games. And when you look at the tail of the tape, Texas has been a little bit better offensively against tougher opponents, 36 points per game to 34.4. Texas is averaging 12.8 points a game allowed to their opponents. Michigan only giving up six points a game. That is elite through five weeks. Texas averaging 478 yards on offense to Michigan's 411. Michigan allowing 245 yards on defense to Texas's 290. So I think that Texas has been a little bit more impressive than Michigan thus far and has had a tougher schedule, but Michigan certainly has looked like possibly the second best team in the country. And if they faced off in a neutral site, hopefully in the playoffs, that game would certainly be a dog fight. Jim Harbaugh has a championship level team this year in 2023. Now I want to talk about Ohio State 
who did make the college football playoff last year. And like I said, was a missed chip shot away from possibly winning the national championship because I think Ohio State beats TCU as well. And this just isn't the same team without C.J. Stroud and some of those talented players we're used to seeing uh, up there in Columbus, right? They beat Indiana 23-3. to C.J. Stroud team would have probably beat them 45-3. to Youngstown State 35-7, to you know, took care of business there. Western Kentucky 63-10 to came back with the offensive explosion. Then you had that really good game with Notre Dame 17-14. to But that game felt more like a Notre Dame lost than Ohio State win, right? I mean, Notre Dame, the last two plays of the game, the two biggest plays of their season had 10 players on the field on defense. That's just inexcusable, right? So I, I can't even give Ohio State huge credit for that win because it felt like Notre Dame lost it, right? And then you had that fourth and one earlier in the game where they ran a jet sweep to Mika Buka. Like, like, where's the play calling? It just didn't make any sense. But they got out of there with the win. That's the most important thing. Obviously, Kyle McCord is not C.J. Stroud. He's been decent, 1,055 yards and six touchdowns. I think they've taken a step back at the quarterback position as well as some other important positions on that football team. When you look at the tail of the tape, Texas is averaging 36 points a game to Ohio State's 34 and a half. Texas is allowing 12 and a eight. 12.8 points per game, excuse me, to Ohio State's eight and a half allowing. So they've been better defensively. Texas is averaging 478 yards, so they're 447. And then Texas is allowing 290 yards, so they're 255.5. So the Ohio State defense statistically has been better than Texas's defense this year, but Texas has been better offensively. I think Texas has been better all around against better opponents. And of course, Texas has played five teams. Ohio State has only played four, so you have to give them the edge there as well. So when I look at Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan, the three teams that are ranked closest to Texas, I would say Texas thus far has been more impressive than all three of those teams, right? And if you want to talk about Florida State, who's had to play uh, Clemson and LSU thus far, I think those are two tough teams on the schedule. Right. They did beat up on LSU, really took off on them in the second half. They struggled with Clemson a little bit before winning that game. And they also almost lost to Boston College. So Texas has been more impressive than Florida State thus far. And then when you look at USC, they've had two really close games the last two weeks against teams that shouldn't have played them that close. Right. You only beat Arizona State by 14 points. You only beat Colorado by seven points. This USC defense is bad. Right. And I think if Texas played them, Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers would have a field day. So up until this point, I have to say Texas looks like the best team in the country, right? Whether it's Ohio State, Florida State, USC, Michigan, or Georgia, Texas has a argument that they've been better and have faced a tougher schedule than all of those teams I just mentioned. Now, of course, you have a big game against Oklahoma this week, and I think that may determine or solidify if Texas has been the best team up until this point. But I have no problem, no issue in saying this Steve Sarkeesian-led Texas football team in 2023 looks like the most complete and best team in the country and maybe even the most battle-tested team into the country up until this point in the college football season a quick word from our sponsors and then we're talking exclusively about the texas longhorns our five best players through five weeks of the texas football season this episode of locked on longhorns is brought to you by game time game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from the seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, L-O-C-K-E-D, 
on on college c-o-l-l-e-g-e for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right i'm going through my five top longhorns through five games for the texas football season uh this was hard to pick five right you know obviously with you being five and no and the number three team in the country you have a lot of amazing players that have had an impact for this Texas football team thus far. But I think these five have somewhat separated themselves and I'm here to make the argument for them, right? I think the number one player has been Tavondre Sweat, right? I've talked about, you know, in the last segment, how this team is only allow uh, allowing 290 yards per game through five weeks. And this team is only allowing 12.8 points a game through five weeks. If you told a Texas fan any of these numbers previously, right? Like since the Mac Brown era, they would think that that's crazy that Texas has a defense that's going out and putting elite performances on tape week in after week out. I know they've had some trouble maybe on the back end, giving up some deep passes, but you have to look at the production, right? They're only giving up 290 yards per game. They're only giving up 12.8 points per game, right? So those defensive miscues have not, you know, affected us too much through this point. I'm not going to sit here and stress about a bunch of what is, right? And the biggest reason, for the defensive dominant performances we've seen is to Andre Sweat, right? Like I said, at this point on yesterday's show, I said this, he is the highest graded defensive tackle in the country through five weeks. He has a 91, almost 92 grade at the defensive tackle position. You're talking about somebody who is being graded by PFF a similar way as Micah Parsons and players like that in the NFL, right? 92. We know how PFF grades. That means he has been damn near flawless through five weeks. This defensive line has been the best unit on this football team. The defense, as explosive as the offense has been the last couple of weeks, the defense has definitely been better. Tavondre Sweat is the biggest reason why that big man up front, he has been the best Longhorn football player to me through the first five weeks. The second one is Jonathan Brooks, and I'm screaming it that he needs to be in the Heisman conversation. We talked so much about how we knew we had a bunch of talent in this running back room. And we knew that this running back room could produce, especially if we saw more development and cohesion on that offensive line. But we also said that, you know, we're not going to have Bijan, right? We're losing Bijan. We got Jonathan Brooks. He's great, but he may not be Bijan Robinson or Roshan Johnson. And from a pure talent perspective, right, if you're just looking at him in shorts in a lab, then you probably would still take Bijan Robinson. But when you look at Jonathan Brooks' production, through the first five games and really the last three, right? It's been Bijan like, right? He's been one of the best players in college football, regardless of position. And when you look at the overall production, 684 scrimmage yards and six touchdowns in five games, almost 500 rushing yards alone in his last three games, he has been absolutely exceptional for this Texas football team and has really given a team that thought they were going to be an 11 personnel spread it out, let Quinn Ewers go out and win the Heisman every week team, a bunch of balance, right? Now you have to really, allocate resources to that box to stop in Jonathan Brooks. And then of course, when yours can just dice you up outside of that off of RPOs, play actions and deep passes. So Jonathan Brooks has been one of the best players in the country. And I think he's been a little bit better and more consistent than Quinn Ewers thus far. That's why I have him at the number two spot. And he certainly should be in the Doak Walker conversation and the Heisman conversation through five weeks with how impressive Texas has been. Now you look at Quinn Ewers, I got him at number three, right? And Quinn Ewers came into this season with a ton of pressure on him. And pressure is a privilege, right? He had a ton of expectations since high school. You know, when you come out of high school, ranked as the highest rated player since Vince Young, and they're talking about you leaving high school a year early to go get a million dollars at Ohio State, that comes with pressure. That comes with expectations, right? And I would say that maybe in his first year, outside of a few moments against Washington, 
Oklahoma and Alabama, we really didn't see too much of that from Quinn Ewers, right? He did not look like the same player that he did at South Lake Carroll. This year, outside of one dead game against Wyoming, he's been really special, right? Especially the two last games that he's played, right? Like I said, I think for the uh, first time, he's put two elite performances at the University of Texas on tape back-to-back. I love the freedom that he's playing with. I love the joy that he's playing with. I love that when nothing is there, he's taking off and running. And it sounds crazy, but he may have been the best dual-threat quarterback. He may be the best dual-threat quarterback in the country right now, right? Not just looking at you know, how he's playing, right? Or or if you just look at the stats, right? If you're not thinking, oh, it's Quinn Ewers, like I said, he could be the best dual threat quarterback in the country right now, statistically, 1,400 total yards, 15 total touchdowns and only one turnover. And then, you know, he just absolutely went God mode against Alabama. And then he's been great against Baylor and Kansas in back-to-back weeks. So Quinn Ewers came into the season with a lot of pressure. He's handled that pressure gracefully. And we said all of the pieces were around Quinn Ewers. If Steve Sarkeesian could show up this year, if Quinn Ewers could show up this year, this could be a dangerous football team. Both of those things have happened, and Texas looks like a true national championship contender because of it. Quinn Ewers has been special at the quarterback position with his arm and with his legs through five weeks. Byron Murphy, I'm going back to the defensive line, going back to defensive tackle next to Tavondre Sweat. He's been dominant thus far as well. 14 total tackles. Obviously, as a defensive tackle, your job is to help other people get tackled. So those numbers aren't gaudy, but two and a half sacks through five weeks at that position is really good, right? He is somebody who can be dominant in the run game and in the passing game. And don't forget, he has a receiving touchdown to his name up until this point, looking like MVP level J.J. Watt, right? In 2014, right, where he was sacking everybody and catching touchdowns. Byron Murphy has been amazing. He might be the best fullback on the team, too. So got to put him as the number four player. He's been special. And then I want to give credit to Xavier Worthy, right? No, Xavier Worthy doesn't have necessarily gaudy stats up until this point. 26 catches for 345 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I know he dropped a touchdown against Bama. That would add a little bit to that and make it seem a little bit more impressive. But I just love the attitude he's come into um, playing with this year. You know, last year was a down year and it felt like he was pouting a little bit. Of course, he had a broken hand, but it just felt like he was kind of checked out you know, uh, checked out. It didn't feel like he was 100% in with both feet entrenched into this program. Now you see that, right? He's showing up as a leader. He's showing up as a playmaker. And the effort is night and day compared to what we saw last year. And I think he's doing a really good job of taking the coverage that he's getting in stride and allowing other players around him to make opportunities off of that for themselves, right? Last week, we saw A.D. Mitchell go for 140 yards. 41 yards. The week before that, we saw JT Sanders go for 100 yards. So even though Xavier Worthy hasn't had that huge breakout game just yet, he's done a really good job of taking coverage away from his teammates and allowing them to shine next to Xavier Worthy. And I think his stats, his big games, his dominant performances will come as the season goes along. So Xavier Worthy had a down year by his standards and his talent level. He said he needed to come back this year more focused, more mature, um, you know, with a better understanding of the game and, and, you know, more respect for the game, I feel like. And he's done that. And now he's one of the leaders on this Texas football team. And you see how far that has taken them through five weeks. So like I said, Xavier Worthy doesn't have the gaudy stats, but he's gone out there each week and played like a leader in that wide receiver room. And he's helped everybody on this team with the coverage he draws. And he's helped Quinn Ewers, giving him some easier one-on-one opportunities if they're trying to bracket and take away uh, Xavier Worthy with that double coverage. So those are my top five Longhorns this week through five games. You can let me know if you agree or disagree in the comments. Tavondre Sweat, Jonathan Brooks, Quinn Ewers, Byron Murphy, and Xavier Worthy. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're doing our top five Heisman candidates to get out of Tuesday's episode of Locked on Longhorns. 
This episode of Locked On Longhorns is also brought to you by Bird Dogs. You know Bird Dogs make you look good. The stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any movement. And Bird Dogs use anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege or enter promo code lockedoncollege at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, we're getting out of here talking about my top five Heisman candidates, similar to the way that, you know, I said Texas has been more oppressive than Michigan and Georgia, but I would give them the benefit of the doubt based on their success the last couple of years until somebody knocks them off, until USC loses a game or Caleb Williams just has a stinker, right, that is uncharacteristic of what he's shown the last two years, really since he stepped on the field in college football, right? We remember his first game against Texas, unfortunately, speaking of Red River, right? He is the Heisman favorite, right? And I know that they played Arizona State closer than they should have, but he doesn't play defense. He went out there and put up 42 points. And I know that they played Colorado closer than they should have, but he didn't play defense. He went out there and threw six touchdowns. It put up 48 points, right? Caleb Williams has been the best quarterback in college football this season, right? And maybe when they lose a game, you know, Quinn Ewers or somebody else can step up into that number one spot. But until the king gets knocked off the throne, he is still the king, and Caleb Williams has been exceptional through five games thus far. He is still the Heisman favorite, in my opinion, and could be the first player to go back-to-back since, I think, I'm not even going to mess up. I can't remember his name, but only one player has done it. Caleb Williams might be the second, right? I'm not going to embarrass myself on the podcast. Maybe I just did. Quinn Ewers, number two. You know, he did have that stinker against Wyoming, but he was great. Uh, against Alabama he was great against Baylor and he was great against Kansas and I think that's enough to put him at number two in the Heisman rankings right now especially how the Texas team has played as a whole we know that these players get credit for team success we saw Max Duggan last year and not only has Quinn Ewers been one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year but his team has been one of the best teams in college football this year and that is enough to put him up at number two in the Heisman rankings and we always give some type of you know, credence or, or credit or, you know, deference to, you know, dual threat mobile quarterbacks, especially in college football. If you can score with your arm and your legs, that typically gives you, you know, some type of cachet with the voters, right? Like I said, you can make the argument that Quinn Ewers has been the best dual threat quarterback in college football this season, right? You know, take the look away, you know, close your eyes, just look at the stats. He's been one of the best, if not the best dual threat quarterback in college football this season. 15 total touchdowns, only one interception. That should go a long way with the voters. So I think as long as, you know, Texas and USC stays undefeated, Caleb Williams will be at that top spot. But if USC loses and Texas doesn't, then I think Quinn Ewers takes over as the number one Heisman candidate or the front runner uh, going into the latter part of the season. J.J. McCarthy at number three. I don't think he's been the third best quarterback or the third best player in college football, this is more so a Max Duggan type ranking, right, where Michigan has been absolutely dominant. They're the number two team in the country, and he's the face of that team, right? So you have to give him some type of Heisman buzz, right? I don't think he's necessarily playing like one of the best players in the country, but when you look at his stats, like I said, a lot of games he's only playing into the third quarter, so they could be 
more gaudy than they are, but he's done a really good job of developing and being one of the reasons that this team wins instead of them winning in spite of him. So I think he's been really solid. I think he's going to carry Michigan to a really good season this year. And if he keeps up what he's doing right now and Michigan keeps winning, he certainly will be in that top three to five for the Heisman rankings this year. Michael Penix Jr. led the FBS in passing last year. He's on pace to do it again this year. He's already at almost 2,000 yards passing. We've only played like five games. I think he has 19 touchdowns and two interceptions. And this is a Washington team that was really good last year. We lost to them uh, in a really good game in the Alamo Bowl, and they're undefeated up until this point. Now they have to go through a straight gauntlet in the Pac-12. I don't think they end up undefeated. I don't think they end up with one loss and two losses. Would probably be too much for Michael Penix Jr. to win the Heisman, but certainly he has the stats thus far uh, to back up being number four on my list. Like I said, almost 2,000 passing yards and 19 touchdowns through five games. He's going sicko mode for sure. And then number five, I always like to put a non-quarterback in here, and I've been beating the table for the last two days to put him in the Heisman conversation. I'm doing that right now. Number five, Jonathan Brooks, like I said, almost 700 total yards through five games and six touchdowns, almost 500 rushing yards the last two games. When you look at his stats, it's almost crazy that he only had 57 rushing yards in the first game and then I think 54 in the second game, and then he's just completely taken off. Right. The last two games were 160 last week and then 210 against Kansas. Right. He is going crazy right now. And like I said, he has made this Texas football team one of the scariest in the country because we thought we might take a step back running the ball. And he's made this rushing attack almost better than it was last year up until this point to go in tandem, you know, with a better Quinn Ewers, a better Steve Sarkeesian and better talent around them on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, Quinn Ewers has been special. That's why I have him at number two. But Jonathan Brooks is really the biggest reason why Texas looks unstoppable at this point and looks like the most complete team in the country. He is my number five Heisman candidate. To recap the list, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and Jonathan Brooks. We'll see if this list is updated any going into next week on next Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in to another episode on Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our Red River shootout coverage starts tomorrow on the podcast. Hook them. Peace.